good morning again. Certainly good to see everybody out this morning. Good to have you with us. Got a good crowd from what I understand. Up uh, in the upper 70, 78, 80 through there somewhere. So give yourself a little round of applause for a good crew come out this morning. All right, let's see here. Uh, children's Church this morning, Glenn and Donna have that, so 12 and under. Any kids that want to go over and participate in that, you can go follow them. And then as they're heading over to Children's Church, our hymn of invitation is 169, Room at the Cross for You. So uh, Room at the Cross, 169. And certainly it is good to have a good crowd over there this morning. Certainly good to be here with you this morning. Again, if you are logging into uh, Facebook or onto YouTube later or uh, visiting with us, good to have you with us. We want to invite you to be with us anytime you can. And uh, if you're considering church home, we'd like you to consider Locust Grove and let us become part of each other's families. And certainly it's a privilege for me to share God's word with you. Happy to be here today. Well, I presume by now that everyone has heard about the revival going on in Wilmore at Asbury University. If you've looked, and the only way I've kept up with it is what you've kept up with uh, that are on Facebook. And for those that are not on Facebook, this is going to kind of be your update. It's, uh, it is spread as college students and other people, not just college students, come to share in this revival going on there. Uh, they're taking it back and revivals are starting at their, at their colleges or, or even in a couple of nations, the churches in these different nations, uh, 18 at last count revivals have sprung off of this revival at Asbury. So certainly it is exciting to see what's going on. 264 hours uh, as of today, that revival has been going on, continuous, nonstop revivals. To put that kind of into perspective, that would be like us having a 132-day revival two hours a day. Uh, how many of us would show up 132 days in a row for revival? I would hope everybody would uh, if, if, because that's the whole spirit of it. National coverage. I was watching uh, Tucker Carlson had offered to go down and cover this revival, and they politely refused. They said they didn't want any distractions uh, coming from national coverage. A lot of videos, a lot of people excited about the prospect of this revival. And something that I have noticed when you look at these pictures or these videos, what you do not see is you don't see people sitting in the pews looking like they just eat a big old deal pickle. Uh, what you see is people praising the Lord with their hands lifted and singing songs. And you don't have to, they're just people there worshiping God. And that's the wonderful thing about revival uh, is that those people that are coming, and, and from what I read also, is they've shut the town of Wilmore down. There's about 1,700, give or take, inside the hall, the chapel. And they estimate between five and 10,000 people outside or around on the campus occupying Wilmore. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's a, a wonderful, I've got some nice pictures to show, but it's a wonderful outpouring of people coming. Now listen to this. Can you believe it? People are going there to be revived. What a concept. Now think about that. People actually desiring to be revived and they're going to be revived at this revival. 
And I got to thinking about that, and, and I want you to think about it throughout this sermon and throughout this week. People are going there to be revived of their own free will. you get it in a little while. What if everybody was that devoted to God? What if everybody desired to be revived? And I asked this morning, are we seeking revival? Well, Rob, it's not time for revival. We don't have revival until after Labor Day. Yeah, you're right. But does that mean that's the only time that we can be revived? Is that the official revival that we have? Nobody told these people that they had to have a revival. Let's see, we got the, yeah, and the you can see that's the hall. Pictures are not great. Because uh, I wanted to get them big enough where you can see. But that place is packed. And they are there. And it's not just singing, and though it is singing. There are people coming to the Lord. There are people repenting, confessing, accepting Christ as their Savior. There are people rededicating themselves to God's service. They're being revived. And I want us to think about that. Because you don't have to have an official revival. This is not an official revival. They didn't plan for this. And from what I've read, they didn't know what to do with it. There were so many people coming. And they just let it go on its own. And they kind of began to facilitate what was happening. And, and that's what I want us to understand. We don't have to have an official revival set up to have revival within ourselves. The Bible calls for us to devote our lives to God and His service. And that compels us to serve Him. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, if you want to turn there with me. Jesus said these words uh, that, we, that we're familiar with. But when we think about what he says in the context of what he says, and in the context of revival and what we should be doing as Christians, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all of thy soul, and with all of thy mind. We need to be revived if we don't love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. Do we realize that? We are in need of revival. But we like to think of ourselves pretty comfortable where we are in our relationship with the Lord. And that's one thing that I want to note about those men and women. And it's not just kids. If you get on Asbury University's Facebook web a Facebook page you'll see that there's people of all ages coming there to worship this is not just this is not just a group of college kids that <clears throat> are in revival it started with a group of college kids and it has spread to believers all around this country of all ages so I feel it is is something that anyone that needs revival is a good example for because we know in our own minds don't we that we should be totally devoted to God. And we understand this commandment that Jesus gave. But the problem is sometimes we don't devote our whole lives, do we? We don't devote our heart, our soul, and our strength. We do a little. There'll be flashes of greatness in our lives sometimes. But then we get distracted and allow other things to pull us away from that service, pull us away from being what he's called us to do. And we justify it in our own minds. 
with whatever justification we need to make us feel better, but we really know that we're not following what Christ says. And he said that's the first and greatest commandment, is to love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. And the second, like unto it, to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we know it's those things that we know that we should be doing because Christ teaches us to do that, and it's what Christ did himself. And, and sometimes I'll have moments of, of greatness that come across my life, but most of the time I'm just struggling out there reaching, trying to get by, trying to get day to day. But when we devote ourselves completely to God, and what we have to understand is when we love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and our neighbor as we love ourselves, that getting by day to day gets easier. Because we're not doing it as someone after my own pursuits. I'm doing things, I'm seeing things, I'm learning to see things, and learning to feel things the way that God does. And that's what revival means, is changing. Because we've all been guilty of giving up service of some sort, whether it's come to church or, or serving in some area or some ministry for, to go on a vacation or go to a ball game or fill in the blank, whatever. And I'm not being critical because I'm just as guilty as anybody. I've done it in the years past. And I justified it in my own mind. I was good with it. But yet, does that define me as saying that I, I, that I don't? No, I've learned and I've changed. I've tried to change. I'm not perfect. And that's what we have to understand. Revival is people that will admit to themselves that, hey, I'm not perfect and I need to be revived. I need to be able to improve my relationship with God. And that's what I want to look at this morning. I want to look at three ways that we can improve our devotion to God on a personal level so that it could lead us to a personal revival. And that's what I want us to understand because that's the example that, that we see in Asbury. Revival is very personal and it is rarely ever planned. Whenever it's within ourselves, it's a personal thing, and, and you can't plan out something like that on a relationship level that we're talking about that we have with God. So turn with me, if you will, and I found this rather interesting. After I was writing this sermon, I got about three-fourths of the way through it, and I kept scanning back and forth, back and forth on Facebook, and, and there was a uh, one post that said, the... Uh, the scripture, the Bible study that started the revival. So I said, well, I wonder what that was. And I clicked on it, and sure enough, it was what I'm getting ready to ask you to turn to, Romans chapter 12. That's where they were studying whenever they had this beginning of this revival. And, and we see here that a lot of what he was saying, of course, I'm not going to play it or read it or anything, but from what I did listen to, he's talking about that personal relationship with the Lord. And listen to what Paul writes to the church at Rome here. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And when we boil things all the way down, those are the three, those are the key components for revival. First, our commitment there in verse one and second half. That we present our 
bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Paul tells the church there at Rome that he wants the whole person. He wants all of us to be dedicated wholly to him with the talents that he's provided us with to serve him in the field or area that he has chosen for us to serve. Present your body a living sacrifice. What does that mean? That means so many things on so many different levels, but you can go over just a few things real quickly in my mind. We're to be obedient to how Jesus taught us to live, right? We're to be obedient to loving our love, our God with all of our heart and our soul, our mind, and our neighbors as ourselves. We're to be obedient with our bodies by being good husbands and good wives according to what the scriptures tells us to do. We can be obedient by sacrificing and presenting our bodies holy sacrifice by being a good neighbor and serving those in need, can't we? And that's what we have to understand is where's our commitment at? Where's our level of commitment? This, like I said, this revival going on is not like your typical revival. It has no organized structure. They're singing, they're praying, and they're speaking as the Holy Spirit leads them. And sadly, I've looked through some of those comments and there's people criticizing it because that it's not organized. Okay. We'll go with that for you. I'll, I won't take any part of that. I won't criticize it because it's not about me. It's about God and it's about worship. And I think what we see is the Holy Spirit moving on these Christians and they're worshiping. And it's catching. And people are saying, I want to worship God too because I've been cooped up in my house and been scared to death by uh, viruses and balloons and everything we can imagine going on, the high prices. And, and I'm just, it's all too much, Lord. I need some relief. And you know what? That's the right thing to do, folks. That's the right thing to do. Is we go to God who controls it all. When we look up, instead of looking for something flying through the sky, we as Christians are supposed to be looking up for what? The return of Jesus coming back, right? We should never have to worry about uh, anything because what did God say in his scriptures? He's going to take care of us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He knows the things that we need, the Bible tells us, before we ask. So let's not look at that revival as critical. Let's be totally committed to something, in this case, God. And to do that, we must be willing to give everything, every part of our life, every part for his service, and that including our worship. Those folks are not going up there to be entertained. Can you understand that? Oftentimes, we, we will set aside time, money, change the schedule around to go watch a concert or to go watch some kind of something, entertainment, ball game, whatever you may choose to say, to be entertained. But the people that are traveling from nearby in the region and from out of state and, and around the world, as I understand, these people are spending their time and money and putting forth the effort to do what? To come and worship God. Do we see what I'm saying here? It's a whole lot different than they're, they're not going over there to be entertained. They're going to go worship the Lord. They're going to seek revival. They're going to seek something that 
their spirit needs. Surely they're not the only ones that have needs for a spiritual revival. Surely all of this nation and all this world, and, and you can I believe agree with me, by seeing what we have witnessed on television the past few months, the good and the bad. People are hungry for truth. There is only one truth because heaven knows if you leave it up to man to spit out truth, it's going to have about four or five different definitions. But God has one truth. And people are seeking out that truth. And that truth comes through his son and our savior, Jesus. We got to understand we've got to be committed. We have to be all in, as they would say today. And I want you to think about the example that Christ left for us being all in. He was all in during his ministry here on earth, wasn't he? And he was all in at the trial. And he was all in when he hung on the cross. That's the dedication that he has. And that's the dedication that we are called to have. That we will sacrifice ourselves the things, the other things, the things that the world says is important. But because I'm devoted to God, because I love him with all of my heart, my soul, and my mind, because I really want his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to pour out on me and to lead me in my life, I have to be all in. And something else that that makes us think about comes from verse 2, the first part. Is our focus to be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's a hard thing to do, to be not conformed to the world. Because the world from the very beginning, from the time, and we don't really realize it, and I'm not being critical of it, I just want us to say, I want to say this to wake ourselves up from the time that we are born, from the time that we are new moms and dads, we are conforming to the world. How so, Rob? Well, we're always trying to use the best and most improved thing that the world gives us. Isn't it? We got to we got to have the improvement. And and you folks can understand this. You older parents, the older moms and dads that raised kids in the in the sixties and in the seventies. How much different is it now than, than the way they raise kids today? Was what you did wrong? Was it bad? No. But the world says you have to do this to get better. I'm not knocking and I'm just saying we let ourselves conform and be guided by the world and by what the world tells us to do without really thinking about I'm conforming to the world. Now I just used a baby as one example. There are myriads of examples that we could use that with. That we're conforming instead of being transformed in our own minds. And I'll leave that up to you to think on. As I said, Tucker Carlson offered to come to Asbury. And they politely refused because they did not want the focus, that, that kind of focus, that kind of change, because we all know what happens. And even, and I'm not knocking Tucker for wanting to do that, because I think they sent an editor or, or producer down there, and, and he, he did a story on it with his telephone anyway. And, and the bright lights was not there, the big trucks were not there, you know, it didn't say Fox News across it. So it didn't distract from it. And he, he experienced the same kind of worship that everyone else did. Uh, hopefully it affected him. I don't know if the guy was a Christian or not. I hope he left there as a Christian if he wasn't one. But I hope he realized how genuine and how focused 
those people were on what they were doing, worshiping God. It's not just an afterthought. We don't just come to church as an afterthought. Oh, it's what we do before we go eat lunch on Sundays. It's what we rush around and do when we get back from eating lunch and take our nap on Sunday evenings. And if I get home in time from working and don't have something go wrong, it's what I do on Wednesday nights. That's not what it is. Do we understand that we should transform our minds and say, I am going to go worship God today and I'm going to have two chances to do it corporately on Sunday. I'm going to get to meet with my brothers and sisters in Christ twice on Sunday to offer my worship to God. And on Wednesday, guess what? We're going to do it again. Now, how that worship takes place is a little different. Sometimes it's a Bible study. Sometimes it's a sermon. Sometimes it's a song service. But it's all worship. And we have to change our mindset to realize that we walk through these doors not to receive, but to give. If you get something, that's a bonus. But we had better be giving when we come, when we come to worship. And that's what I try to encourage us to do, is to build that relationship so that worship can grow. As we see here, we see what's going on. Look with me in Hebrews. What the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12, first and second verse. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with this so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that it was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. A patient endurance, extreme focus. We all have trouble. We all have times of despair. We all have times of worry. But that does not mean that we abandon our faith in God and withdraw our worship from Him. If anything, we should draw closer to Him in those difficult times and replace that worry with worship. And when we do that, the worry will be lifted. And that's what we see here, that patient endurance, staying focused regardless of what happens. Now, as I said earlier, they had to literally, they've shut down the little town of Wilmore. They can't get any more people in there. The streets are lined car to car to car to car to car. There's no parking. They did, I did see an interview <coughs> on the man that had a, a, a gas station with a little convenient mark inside of it. He said, I've never seen so many people here before, but I have never encountered so many genuinely nice people. Well, that's great. That's what Christians should be viewed as. We should be displaying the love of Christ. But, and that's what I'm saying. It's overwhelmed this town so much that I think this week is the, they're beginning to scale it down day by day through the end of the week, and then they're going to go off to other venues outside of Wilbur that's larger than can handle the capacity of those people coming in. And I just pray that the revival continues for them that, that are there, but more so that it would spread across this nation, because if you remember what I said last week at the close of the sermon, all throughout the pandemic and all throughout these difficult times that we've seen from the election, from the pandemic, the difficulties that we see, what have we cried out for? 
revival. We've cried out for revival, revival, revival. And if you remember, I said this, maybe God at that point was saying, not yet. Not yet. Hang on. Maybe God is saying, now is the time for revival. And we are witnessing the beginning of a great awakening coming back to this nation because he knows and I know and you know this nation and this world sorely needs to be reawakened to the love of God. And maybe that's what we're witnessing. And that's why I'm encouraging those that, that to accept Christ into your heart so that you can begin to, to be revived. Start that relationship with God. That's what these people are doing. By the thousands, they are doing this. Some are coming there to improve their relationship. Some are coming there to, to rededicate their relationship. Some are coming there to start a relationship with God through Christ. And that's where it all begins. But we have to be focused on that and not distracted with the things of the world. Which brings us to our last thing. In, uh, back in uh, Romans again, 12, second half of verse 2. That you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Which in our thinking, transformed by the renewing of our mind. When any one of us became a Christian, God wanted to begin and should have began reshaping the way that we think. And we must remember that our ways are not God's ways. His are perfect. And we have to change our ways. But what do we see the world demanding happen? That God change his ways to accept the world's ways. That's not what the scriptures tells us. Our mind is not God's. And we have to change to conform to him because he will not change to conform to us. A holy God will not conform to what is unholy. And we have to understand that. And, and we can't expect that, though people do. They continue to do wrong, hoping that God will overlook it. Psalm 51, <clears throat> verses 10 through 13. Listen to what David says here. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors the ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. So do we see here how our thinking can affect people? Once we... And we have to invite God to do this, okay? And that's what David's doing. Remember, David was a man after God's own heart. What do we find him doing? He's asking God to create a clean heart in himself. For what reason? So that he can teach people. And they will repent and come to salvation. That's the whole point of verse 13. We can't be out. We can't do what's right until we are right, in other words. We have to be right within ourselves before we can go out and teach other people what is right and expect them to repent and, re and come to a relationship. So our thinking has to change. And that's how it has to be. Another way that our thinking changes is once we begin that allowing that. And listen, that's revival, by the way. What I'm describing in this last point is revival. Our minds change. 
And then we pick up the scriptures. And we read the Bible. And we study the Bible. We seek God's guidance. We seek the Holy Spirit's guidance. And, and help with understanding what we're reading. And to better understand and to better under apply, what, apply what we're reading. And then God's word and his truth begins to change the way we think. It begins to change the way we act. It begins to change the way that we feel to what God does, what God thinks, the way he thinks and sees and feels things. But I have to repeat this as Isaiah wrote, Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. We have to understand that old man has to die. All of the old man has to die and allow God to create that new because our thoughts are not his thoughts. We do not have the mind of God. I don't care how good you think you are. You do not have the holy mind of God to see things with God's perspective. That's what we have to, to learn to try to do because human nature goes against It's the opposite of that. It's not our nature to look at people with the eyes of God. It's our human nature to look at, at people with the eyes of a human person that doesn't have as much love, doesn't have as much compassion as God does, doesn't have the mercy that God does. That's natural, and that's why we have to change. We have to think as a child of God. No longer like the person who depends on the world and its system. Yeah, we have to live here. I mean, we are here, right? We have to function. We have to have food, clothing, shelter. God knows that. But are we also not called a peculiar people, which means that we are different? There's nothing wrong with being different, especially when you're different because God has changed the way you see things and you think about things and the way you act about things. That's the kind of peculiar I want to be. And that's what we have to remember. Revival. Are we seeking revival? And I'm not even talking about me making up little flyers and sticking them on the door and asking people to go hang them up around the local grocery stores and, and to tell your friends. I'm not even talking about that kind of revival. I'm talking about a personal revival. For we, re we realize what we're doing it's not what we should be doing, and we want to be revived from that and changed from that, and we invite the Holy Spirit to come into our lives in order to facilitate that. And I want to leave you this one final scripture out of Acts chapter 2, verses 15 through 21. Of course, we know this is on the day of Pentecost. And, you know, there was people criticizing the worship of God then, just like some are criticizing it now. And I'm not going to say anything about them because it's not my job to judge. But I'll let you read what Peter, I'll read to you what Peter said. Beginning in verse 15 through 21, but for these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. 
and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in the heavens above and in the signs of the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved we may be witnessing well there ain't no may to it we are witnessing God pouring out his spirit on those that believe and it is spreading and we they give us the blueprint of how that does you know what started all of this their normal chapel dismissed and a few students said, you know, I'm going to stay here. I want to worship a little longer. And somehow, I'm just repeating what I was, what I heard from a girl that is there, the student body. I don't know if she was the president, but she had something to do with the student body government. And she said once they had heard that a few students stayed, some other students said, well, we think we'll go. That's how the revival started. Then nobody put up a sheet. Nobody called any preachers. It's just some young people wanting to worship. Some young people wanting to tell God how much they loved him. Some young people wanting to lift their hands up and say, God, we need you. We need you to fill us with your spirit of love, grace, and mercy. Have we not got enough hate and vengeance going on in the world that that we wouldn't, every one of us, want to invite God, the Holy Spirit, to fill us with love and grace and mercy. I'm talking about a revival on a personal level, folks. I'm encouraging you to open yourself up and, just as David said, create in me a clean heart, God, so that I can go out and serve you and so that I can go out and teach people and that they'll come to salvation. And I want to keep my focus and my commitment strictly on you. And I want you to change the way I'm thinking about things. And that's what Peter says here. Uh, what you're witnessing, this is, these are not drunk men. These people, are, the Holy Spirit is pouring out on them. And the result of what Joel says is that people will come to salvation. And if we recall, just a few verses over, these men, these same men probably that were saying, oh, they're drunk. Is suddenly saying, what must we do to be saved? And what was his answer? Repent ye and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, for the remission of sins and to receive the gift of what? The Holy Spirit. We should be inviting him in to clean our hearts and our minds up. And I think that's what we've seen go on up there. I didn't go. But that's what I've observed. Are you here today without Christ as your personal Savior? And I want you to think about that for just a minute. Because he freely and willingly showed his devotion to God's plan at the cross of Calvary. He followed his word. So I invite you today, if you're here and you have believed, and you're willing to confess Christ as your Savior and repent of your sins and be baptized 
in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in the likeness of Christ's death, raise that new creation having the gift of the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of sins. And you're raised that creation to worship. That's what we're, that's what we're saved to do is to worship and serve. Today is the day of your salvation if you will accept him. Now maybe you've already done that. And you realize, you know what? I need revival. I need to be revived. And I need to get to work on reviving myself, having God to revive me so that I can help to revive and lead others to salvation. And today's the day that you rededicate, rededicate yourself. And whether that means that you come forward and ask for uh, uh, prayers from your brothers and sisters or support or whether that's something you do on in the car on the way home or when you get home and and uh, you get a chance to sit down and, and pick up the scriptures and go to God in prayer. Whenever your revival time is, that's not up to me. That's up to you and God. But if you need revival, I encourage you to seek out revival. And if you need a Savior, he's calling. Because as our hymn of invitation, which we're getting ready to sing, 169 says, there's room at the cross for you. And there is. There is room at the cross you if you will accept Christ today. We're going to stand and sing the first and the third verse of this hymn. If you have a decision to make, I encourage you to come as we, as we sing.